Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. All right, we are in a series called Open Heaven. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to people, uh, and they've been encouraging me. I, uh, sometimes when you're doing a message series, you, you, I always wonder, hey, is this what you want to say? And I, I believe it is a message that God wants us to hear now. Um, but not just for now, but for the future. I, I really believe that this message is, um, it's a prophetic message. In other words, everything, this open heaven idea isn't happening fully right now, but I believe it's going to. And this is what I'm saying. I believe with all my heart that as we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray, he said, listen, he taught his disciples to pray. He said, pray for an open heaven. Pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that. So we know how to pray. We know that when we're, when we're praying, God, open up heaven over my family. Open up heaven over my relationships, over this city. I pray this every single day for an open heaven over you, over all the people that I'm connected to, over all the people that I'm responsible for or have my uh, calling authority in. So uh, would you do that too? Would you continue to pray for an open heaven? It's not a fantasy. It's a real thing that Jesus taught us to pray Learning how to unlock the unlimited resources available to us from heaven and learning how to access it and bring it to the earth. This third heaven that we talked about, you'll have to go back and, and listen to it, but it's, it's the third heaven that, that uh, Paul had an experience with, um, the third heaven, so which I uh, concluded there must be a one and a two. And so we've, we've been talking about this idea of this third heaven that we're currently citizens of. We are now, those of us who've given our hearts to Jesus are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We now live in, 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 a, in, in a sense uh, in that place. So the question is, are you living from that place? Are you living from that place that we already apparently live in, the Bible says. So let me show you this picture that we put together of the third, three heavens, just to give you a quick picture. Just picture that as the throne room. That's, that's the third heaven. This is where we live, obviously. And the second heaven is, is what we've been addressing last week and this week. And it, it's, I know it's a little dark, but the truth is, in that second realm, wherever that is, um, that's where the enemy uh, lives, and that's where, he, that's where he weaves his ways. The Bible says he's the ruler of the airways. You ever heard that? He's the ruler of that area. He has limited authority in that area, and it's so, under, it's so critical to, to understand that, to know that, that, that there's, a, there's other realm right now in this earth, this fallen world that we live in, that the enemy has limited access and authority to, and usually only if we give it to him. But what we want to do is we want to we begin putting our minds and our thoughts, and our faith, and our imagination from this third heaven where Christ lives, where his righteousness lives, where all of these unlimited resources are. Amen? See, the second realm is, is, was, was supposed to be open and clear. It was open and clear in the beginning until the fall of man in the beginning. And now the enemy roams in that area. He attempts to cause havoc in our lives from that area. But there's good news. We can live from this third heaven. We can rise above the enemy and place him under our feet. We can trample on his mission. He may push us around at times, but as we live from the third heaven, we will see him flee. That's just how it works. By the way, that's why Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. Do you know that? So yeah, today is a little bit of a spiritual warfare message, which is good. Um, something we're going to need uh, in our lives. But he came to destroy the works of the enemy. 
The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus came to destroy his works. That's why we need to pray for an open heaven because every time you do, it gives Jesus an opportunity to come and send a message to the enemy that he does not have authority. Y'all here today? Just got back from down south. That's why I said y'all. We, <laughs> Grand Rapids. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ada actually. That's south. Why, why, why does it change down there? Even Adeline comes home from Texas and she goes, she, you know, she's been living in Texas for the last three years, you know, most of the year, and she goes, well, you guys talk so funny up here. I'm like, you're my daughter. Y'all talk so funny up here in Michigan. <laughs> like, man, oh man, Texas. Um, so remember, Jesus came to destroy the enemy's works. But here's, here's this common question I want to ask you today. I wonder how much of our thoughts, our thoughts are turned towards heaven. I wonder how much of our time is spent thinking about heaven. Now think about that. I wonder how much of our time is spent thinking about the power and unlimited resources in that place. Because we are called to put our thoughts in that third heaven. You know that? Look at Colossians 3.2. Here's the proof. Paul says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And I wonder how much of our thoughts are actually aware of the schemes and mission of the enemy working in, the, in that second realm, the airways. I wonder how much, how much thought we put to that. When the Bible says we're to know his schemes. See, we've seen his tactics. He roams around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that, right? He always looks for an opportune time. It's usually when we let our guard down, when we drift away from God, when we try to take cover in someone or something else other than the Lord. He is our refuge, our strong tower. I believe that most fights are, are either started by an invisible enemy or they are fueled by him. And we just don't even realize it. If you've been married for any time, you'll, 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 you'll begin to understand that. Because we do not war against flesh and blood. We war against another realm. That's what the Bible says, against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, in that second realm. That's, that's who we war against. But many times we fall for the trap of the enemy. We, 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 we miss that opportunity to actually take authority over him. Instead, we try to take authority over each other, right? And it just fuels that, that moment. You know, we've met with so many people in lives, and obviously we've been married for 20 Two years? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I usually get that right every single time. And I did. And for some reason, my brain just wasn't going there. But, um, and it's been perfect. We've never had a fight or argument or, <laughs> right, never had any struggles. Um, but the truth is we're maturing. Like our, our marriage over the years, like we're getting stronger. And I love that song about building your faith. Our faith has been being built. In other words, we are actually understanding how the enemy works. Oh, I see you. I see you. Even though you can't see him, but yet you can see him because there's effects, there's results from him. Amen? So I believe that, that when, when spouses 
By the way, we're not fighting. We're, we're, everything's good. Our marriage is great. But, but we do have our tiffs every once in a while. We, 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 we butt heads. Um, but I do believe that, that, that spouses um, are many times being harassed by a spiritual enemy with thoughts. And, and usually, again, remember, the enemy doesn't come in like, like this, this, he doesn't come in so obvious in the moment. Like he just, he very subtly weaves his way into a situation or a moment. He just, he just subtly does that. Whispers and he says things that seem right, but they're not right. They're not, they're not from the word or, or they don't have the heart of God behind it. But I, but I see this in, in relationships where all of a sudden she might say, he, he doesn't love me. Or he says, she doesn't love me. Or she becomes fearful or she is lonely or he feels unappreciated. And what we don't realize is there's a spiritual enemy behind that. And what happens is, is when two people begin to buffet each other, it's our word from last week, when, when, they, when they begin to have these conflicts and arguments, what they don't realize is there's an enemy that is trying to fuel that. He's trying to magnify those thoughts and magnify those words that we just said. And, and, um, and he's trying to, trying to make it worse. He's trying to take the emotions and magnify them. He's trying to do all those things. That's what he does. That's his M.O. But here's what I want to say to you for those of you who have ever struggled in relationships. Because what the enemy tries to do is he tries to tell you you're bad. You're a bad person. You're a bad person for acting that way. You're, you're a bad person for thinking that way. You're a bad, you heard that? Listen, you're not bad. You're just being buffeted. You're not bad. When you came off the production line from God, he made you just right. He were fearfully and wonderfully made. You, are, you, you have a good heart. You're good. You're a good person. You are inside. What happened is, is the enemy has buffeted you. But, but, but what we think, oh man, I've just made another mistake. I'm a bad person. We don't realize that there's an enemy pulling the strings, sowing seeds. And, and that's where God wants to turn the tables in this moment, not get us to go down the wrong path. See, you're not bad. You're just being buffeted. I'm not talking about Jimmy Buffett. Buffeted by the enemy. Under his limited authority, that's why the heavenly mindset is so critical. Now there's another part to this buffet, as we learned last week. Paul was buffeted because apparently he had a tendency to get a bit prideful. Do you know that? He was actually grateful because if you look at Paul's life, he was the best of the best, right? He was the cream of the crop. And then he gets saved. And so it looks like he still had some things that God had to work out in his life. And that's why the thorn in the flesh was given to him, the, the messenger of Satan to come every once in a while, not all the time, every once in a while and kind of give him a little nudge and a punch. Because Paul, I, I would assume he's like, man, look at what's happening. The church is growing. People are getting saved. There's signs and wonders following me. And then God would say, <laughs> and a little punch from the enemy. You go, oh, man, in his thoughts. But like I said last week, even though, the, even though the thorn was around him in his flesh, it never got in him in his heart. And that's what we, got, that's what we have to constantly stay on top of. But we're just working through stuff. 
See, when, when an enemy buffets you, God is actually trying to free you. Did you know that? When the enemy buffets you, when the enemy comes and tries to harass you, it's, it, it's God, it's an opportunity for God to free you and I from something. I believe in this season, this is the season of unearthing and exposing. I've, I've, I've done this long enough to see, wow, look at all the stuff coming to the surface. And if we're not careful, we're gonna actually throw our stuff on other people. When actually, you know what, there's some, if there's something coming up in you, if there's something being unearthed in you, just let God have it, let it go. He wants to heal you. Let's not blame everybody else. Let's not blame COVID. Let's not blame an election. Let's not blame the politics. Let's not blame that stuff. Come on. Let's just own it and say, if there's something coming up in you, and even God's using the enemy to do it, let it come out. Get it out. Get it out and get free. The theme of this, evening, the theme of this season is God is getting rid of the internal corruption so that he can bring a powerful heavenly eruption. Came up with that myself. For his glory, of his glory and for his glory. As I mentioned last week, I believe the, the, one of the greatest struggles for a Christian is that we are trying so hard to get to a place that we already live in. Christ has already set us free. He has already defeated the enemy. He has already forgiven us. We are to live from that place where Jesus says it is finished. Because if we stay down here, we'll get down here results. But if we go up there, we'll get heaven results that translate through our lives down here by faith. So let's keep on learning. So what do I do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Well, let me take a few moments to help remove a few more barriers to your open heaven or my open heaven, asking the question once again, what's blocking your blessing? Many times it's a lie from the enemy that blocks the blessing. He will lie to us and convince us that we can't have access to God, our God-given freedom and blessings. That's what he does. And there are times when there's a sin or a thorn within that's an issue. So however it does it, he tries to tangle us up and trip us up on this earth when we put our focus on other things other than heaven and we start putting more focus on this, this first heaven here. Look at this in 2 Timothy 2.4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Do you hear that? No one entang in, in, entangles in war, I'm sorry, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Right? Because he wants to please God. Or she wants to please God. Say tangle. When I was a youth pastor, um, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, we, we went on a, a youth event, and I think it was down, it was near the, near the lake, and the lake was really cold, and I hate cold water. And, and the youth, um, my youth leaders, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, you know, good shape, um, they wanted to throw me in the water. I say, not today. But there were probably about eight of them. And so I thought, there's no way. They're going to throw me in the water. So what I did is I, this really cool, you can try this sometime, but what it, all of a sudden they all got around me and I grabbed as many legs as I could. Literally held, it hurt so bad. But I grabbed like you know, three or four legs here and 
same on this side. And every time they tried to grab me, they tripped. Come on, let's get them. I grabbed more legs. And they literally only, only budged me about maybe eight feet. And then they gave up. I thought, hey, but it hurt so bad. I got, I got burns from the sand. And, 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 but, but I tangled them up and they couldn't move. And that's how the enemy does it. He, he tries to get us to a place where he tangles us up with the things of this earth, the things of this world, so literally we just get stuck and we don't move anymore. You know you're tangled up in this realm when you're frustrated, worried about the future, hurried in the present, bitter towards people, or regretting the past. Those are just a few things. So let's get honest. Let's get real. Let's ask the question, is there something blocking your blessing? Is there something hindering your open heaven? Come with me for a moment. I'm going to give you a few things that we learned from our master, Jesus. Let me set this up. An influential leader comes to Jesus begging to heal his teenage daughter. But his request is interrupted by another person who needs a miracle. That was the woman with the issue of blood. She jumped in front of line, in front of line. So Jairus like, come heal my daughter. She's about ready to die. And all of a sudden, this woman comes and says, I need a healing. And all of a sudden, Jairus takes a back seat. You ever felt that way? All of a sudden, you're like praying for something. God, I need you to move. I need an open heaven in my marriage. I need God, you to move powerfully in this moment. And all of a sudden, something, it just kind of stops for a moment. Something interrupts it. Could be anything. I really believe that when those interruptions happened, they're designed to deal with the internal corruptions. They're designed to deal with our heart. They're designed to cause us to even press through, push through even more. I promise you that whenever there's an interruption, don't give up and walk away. Jairus could have just walked away, but I'm going to show you that he didn't. So that's the, that's the start of this story, Mark 5, 35 through 42. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. So remember, Jairus came, healed my daughter. Then there's the woman with the issue of blood, and now it starts right here. The people came and said, your daughter's dead. They said to Jairus, why bother the teacher anymore? He could have been devastated. It says, overhearing what they said, Jesus, oh no, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not, look at, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. <clears throat> what a powerful story. This is an open heaven moment. Please hear me. All of a sudden, Jairus needed an open heaven moment, <clears throat> right? So there's some things here I want you to see that I believe are, are impactful and powerful when we're praying for an open heaven. In other words, Jesus needed to, to open heaven. 
And he knew that some things had to be removed. Please, please hear this. Some things had to be removed in order to see it happen. Here we go. Let's help identify what might be blocking the blessing. Mark 5, verse 40. The crowd laughed at him. Look it. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. See, if you want to see heaven open over, li- over your life, over your family, there are things in life that you just got to make them leave. Say, make them leave. Oh, please, I, here we go. Just say, make them leave. <laughs> if you want to subtitle this, just call it, make them leave. Or make it leave. I'm talking about the spiritual enemy messing with you. I, I can't get this out of my mind, but I'm... I'm saying if, if your family's being messed with, if your marriage is being messed with, if your kids are being messed with, if your grandkids are being messed with, sir, ma'am, you have spiritual authority in your home. You have something that God has given you to take your rightful authority over that enemy. Don't just get tangled up in his stuff or this stuff and, and give up. No, you have a rightful authority in that moment. to make it leave. Say, make it leave. Using the keys of your authority, your boldness to make the enemy leave. And sometimes, and sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes people, sometimes people, sometimes people that, that, that might not be a good influence in your life, they may be dragging you down. Sometimes, sometimes, you gotta remove yourself from that moment. And sometimes you gotta remove sin. So Jesus made them leave, and when he did, this is what left with them. Now, first remember this. Jesus invited, or Jesus was invited to Jairus' house. That's so important. This is the key. That's how the process began. There was a need and a desperate cry to bring a miracle, and Jairus invited Jesus. Is there a need and a desperate cry in you? It's one of the most common mistakes that hinders heaven, not inviting Jesus to come over to your home, into your heart. So invite Jesus over and get ready for an open heaven. So please say this. So Jesus realized that he, the Son of God, had to make the enemy leave in order to open heaven. Let me hear that again. Say that again. He, Jesus, the Son of God, had to make these things, the enemy leave, in order to open heaven. Do Do you hear that? Jesus himself had to do that. How much more do we, right? How much more do we need to take our rightful authority in these areas if the Son of God had to do that? I even say this. Jesus went away often to spend time with the Father. How much more do we, how much more do we need to get away and spend time with Jesus? So here we go. Even Jesus needed to do this. So how much more do we, he removed the loud commotion. Come on, say the loud commotion. He removed the negative vibe, the frustration, the agitation, the confusion, the busyness for the sake of being busy. He made it leave. Here's what he saw, Mark 5, 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion with people crying and wailing loudly, literally meaning a troubling sound, a frightening sound, a frightening alarm. So what did he do? He made it leave. Made it, say, make it leave. So years ago, I was called to hospital because someone 
in our congregation had had uh, a, a stroke, and they were unresponsive. And, um, and so I got the call, immediately went to the hospital. And when I got there, the family was in the room, um, and there was a lot of crying, rightly so. Their mom was unresponsive, so they were crying they were even making funeral arrangements. It was, it was crazy. Like, they, they were already talking this way. And I, I went, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, man. So, so I, 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 I was in there. I, I said, hello. I, I said a prayer. I, I tried to give them comfort. And I immediately knew I had to remove myself from that moment. So I took myself out of that room. And I found someone with a like heart and like mind. Because I said, I, I, I don't feel right about this. I think that there's something else going on here spiritually. So we, we got away into a corner. And we began to pray for this person. And we prayed. We both heard it's not over yet. Something is not right. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then we stopped praying. And then, the, and then she began to respond and come alive. It was a miracle. We both knew it, but we had to do something in that moment to make it leave. We didn't push the people out. It's a family. But we knew that we had to do something else, something spiritual in that moment. See, if you can't remove the commotion, you got to remove yourself from the commotion. Sometimes you just got to cry out, Lord, give me some peace and quiet in Jesus' name. Lord, I remove the negative news, the flaky news. And, and Lord, I, I get to that third heaven and hear the good news, God. The place where Jesus says, it is finished. So God might be saying to us today, remove the loud commotion, the chaos, the busyness, and simply get quiet and get calm and let Jesus make it leave. Here's our confession. Say this. Say, Lord, forgive me for all the commotion, the chaos, the busyness. Make it leave in Jesus' name. When Jesus removed them, he removed the loud commotion, and he removed the craving for attention. This is so important. They were crying and wailing. They were drawing attention to themselves. Here's the verse in Mark 5, 38. When they came to the home and the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. See, in that time, in that culture, it was common practice for the family to hire people to cry and wail loudly. They hired them to get the attention of all those around them. They would even tear their hair and cut their flesh and cry bitterly. And when the time was up, they would get paid and leave for the next funeral. That's the culture. So Jesus made them leave because they were not only drawing attention to self, they were drawing attention to death. See, we as Christians are to give attention to life to Jesus. He's the author of life. We are to speak life. We are even to speak life when it looks like death, when it looks impossible. We are commanded to think on things that are pure and lovely and noble and of good report. So I'm going to choose to draw attention to him, not despair, not destruction, not disease. I know you got an ache and a pain, but bring it to Jesus. Bring the attention to him, what he has already accomplished on the cross. By his stripes you are healed. So these hired wailers 
we're drawing attention to death. And if Jesus wasn't able to get through, if he didn't get through, that's how the story would have ended. But thank God he made them leave. Because I believe their words of death, their songs of death, were about to become self-fulfilling prophecy. Did you hear that? This verse is still true today, Proverbs 18, 21. I don't know if you ever heard this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Love what? If you love life, you'll eat the fruit of it. If you love death, you'll eat the fruit of it. But Jesus wanted to bring life. That's his mission, always and forever, to speak life and to bring life. Lord, remove the craving for attention and let God open heaven. Can you pray this with me? Say, Lord, forgive me for the drawing attention to self and death and not to life. Make it leave in Jesus' name. Jesus removed the craving for attention, and then Jesus removed the fake devotion. Remember, these people were hired. They were employed to mourn over the dead in a frantic manner and to sing a song of defeat and discouragement. Can you imagine hiring someone like that? We're going to hire you to our home. You're going to speak songs of defeat and discouragement. Do you know that's the song of the enemy? Always. Never, ever, ever believe that's God. It's always the enemy to sing you a song of defeat and discouragement. But these people that were hired, they were employed to mourn over the dead. They were hired to play a role. They were actors, just going through the motions. See, it's very dangerous. It's dangerous when we've gotten so good at making our walk with God a duty instead of a devotion. I, I, it, all of us understand that. Do you ever get to the point where you're like, you're like, oh, I feel something's not right. Something in my heart. Something, and, and it's usually we're, we're beginning to drift away to something else. Like, God, I don't know, get back. Get back to that place of devotion. Get back to that closeness with God. Don't drift away. Don't let the enemy pull you away. Matthew 6, 1, the message. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. I love that. See, they were hired hands just playing the part. They were doing it for the wrong reasons. The day that I do what I do for the wrong reasons is the beginning of the end, in my opinion. The day I start going through the motions, not caring about God, not pursuing him is a dangerous day. Listen, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. Come on. I get to go online and listen to a church or listen to a podcast. I get to do that. I get to read my Bible. I get to sing songs. Come on. I don't have to do that. I say this and I'll, I'll go to my grave saying it. Jesus does not owe me one thing. I owe him everything. I owe him my whole life. But yet he still blesses me with so many good things. Can you pray this with me? Say, Lord, forgive me if I'm playing the part. Forgive me for the fake devotion. Make it leave in Jesus' name. And then Jesus removed the shameful mocking. Shameful mocking. Because we read before, they were laughing at Jesus, right? 
I remember when I first, so I, half my life I didn't, I didn't know the Lord. I mean, none of, we, you know, we, we never, none of us had a relationship with God in our family. And, and then um, I got saved. And I remember, uh, I remember turning on, like I had a craving to learn. I just had a craving to, to know God and to learn more. And so I remember turning, turning the television. I didn't really want to watch what was on television. So I turned over to this station called TBN. And there was this purple-haired, pink-haired lady on there. Her name was Jan Crouch, by the way. And I remember looking at her, um, and I remember, well, actually, let me back up. My mom used to watch her. And I remember prior to Jesus, I would look at her as a, as a non-believer and think, oh, my goodness. Seriously? Who's going to believe her? That, that right there, that's going to make people leave. I remember scoffing. This is before Jesus. I remember scoffing at that. And then all of a sudden, I'm in my room one day, and I'm turning it on, and there's that purple, pink-haired lady again. And I'll tell you something. She became, she became this cute little grandma giving me encouragement and wisdom every time I needed it. But it's so easy to look at something we don't understand, begin to mock it, scoff at it. Mark 5, 39, he went in and said to them, while this commotion wailing, the child is not dead but asleep, but they laughed at him. If there's one thing Jesus hates, it's when we scoff. Scoffing hinders heaven. Scoffing hinders heaven. I believe God wants to open heaven. But I think that sometimes we get caught up in just this you know, oh, really? How does, God, I, mean, I mean, God speaks to you and you didn't go through seven years of seminary? Cemetery? Seminary? I, I, praise God for all, any, I've, I've taken so many seminary classes that, but I'll tell you something, that doesn't get me to hear from God. I have to hear from God in my heart. And whether you've gone to zero seminary classes or you've gone to a thousand of them, it's still all about hearing from your heart. It's, and, and, and God can take the most simplest thing to confound the wise, the person, the person that never went anywhere and work a miracle through them. And if we laugh and scoff at that thing, we are literally hindering an open heaven. Remember, Jesus removed them because they were laughing. God wants us to tune into his voice, but we got we to gotta ask forgiveness for the scoffing and the mocking. See, never mock the truth. Never scoff at people delivering the truth. Never laugh at those delivering a message. That messenger of the truth is giving you a message to bless you and to free you, to see heaven opened up in your life. Proverbs 22.10 says this, drive out the mocker, and out go strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. See, if you want peace, if you want the fighting to stop, then just remove the shameful mocking. Remove the scoffers. It's a simple fix. Can you pray this with me? Lord, forgive me for the shameful mocking. Make it leave in Jesus' name. And lastly, Jesus removed the prideful resistance, and this is this is this is the the, the it's almost like the the thing that gets its claws in so deep, and it's pride. 
the prideful resistance. It wasn't easy to get them to leave at first. We see this. They were resistant. They laughed at Jesus. But actually, they were their own, their own worst enemy. Jesus, or James says it this way, James 4, 6, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is a powerful heavenly gift, but it comes with the open heaven. Pride will shut up heaven. Pastor Dan, why are you, this is not the message I want to hear. Yes, it is. We're right at that moment in this message series where I believe God has to remove this because he so wants to bless you. He so wants to, wants to take you to the next level. He so wants to, to see the enemy eradicated in your life. I'm telling you, this is God's heart, but he must be able, he must have access into our lives. He must have, have, have the ability to remove anything that's blocking us. Pride is a pretty easy thing to spot. It points, it accuses, it, con it constantly gets defensive. It never says sorry, rarely says thank you, seldom says I love you. I think we all understand that, don't we? Pride isn't a, a bad word. It's just that, oh, you're, you're walled up. Oh, I see you've been hurt. Yep, you've been hurt. Oh, I, you, know, you know what's happened? You're, You've been harassed by, you've been buffeted. You've been punched by an enemy so much that the normal thing to do is just, <gasps> who can I trust? So we walk around, and it's such a trick of the enemy. I'll never be vulnerable again. I open up my heart, and they hurt me. I open up my life, and they said this thing about me. Whoops. Force field goes up. God says, don't go there. Don't go there. Let it go. Drop it. Drop the guard. You can say sorry. You can say thank you. You can say I love you. You're just afraid. And that wall is protecting those beautiful treasures that need to come out, especially in this time, my friends. Especially now. You must release the treasure that's in you. Do not let anything hinder the open heaven in your life. Make it leave in Jesus' name. Don't justify it. Eradicate it. I believe justified sin is the devil's idea of repentance. He says it's okay. You'll always struggle with it. You were born that way, so don't worry about it. No, Jesus has turned from it immediately. Get rid of it now so that your sin can be covered by his blood on this earth. Yes, you're saved for eternity, but you might be trapped here by the enemy under his second heaven, under the enemy's little kingdom. Don't justify it, eradicate it, make it leave. Rationalization of sin is Satan's substitute for repentance. Justifying sin will only keep you stuck in this realm. You might say, well, I'm only human, and I'll say, so is Jesus. You might say, I guess that's one thing that will never change. And I would say, we are called to change. You might say, I was born with it. And I would say, but you can be born again without it. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. When we justify it, we live in it. And we're trapped by it. And we get a paycheck from it because the wages of sin is still death. So let Jesus remove right now the prideful resistance. 
Humble yourself under the mighty power of God and he will exalt you in due time. Make it leave. Make it leave. I think it's really interesting as I'm finishing here. That when Jesus went to Jairus' house, he didn't just make the people leave and go in by himself. This is beautiful. Jesus brought three disciples. We call them the, the power trio, the faith trio. Peter, James, and John, right? He brought them in, and he brought Jairus and his wife in there. So they're all, all five of them and Jesus are in this room, right? Why did he do that? Because, because so many times when we say make it leave, we forget we got to go to work. We forget that we got to start putting something godly in that space. We got we to learn something. It's not time to jump on the Xbox or PlayStation for the next eight hours. No, start praising God in that place. Keep praying in that place. Keep declaring the word in that space. He was, he was building something in that space. He was, he was building disciples. He was teaching them, this is how you do it. People make the biggest mistake of just not following up. That's why Jesus brought him in there to build something. Bible says when a spirit is cast out of a person, it searches for dry places to live. And when it cannot find a place, it comes back to that previous place and that person's worse off than ever. You ever hear that? Why? Because something wasn't being built in that place. He wanted you to put some furniture in there, some pictures, some memories, some, some things that remind you of how God is faithful over and over and over again. He wanted you to build in that space so when that enemy came back, comes back, he didn't have access there anymore. He wants you to build your boldness and your authority in that space. Nothing, so if Jesus had gone in and cast out that enemy, and left, what would have happened? No, no, he was saying, Jairus, you're the head of your household. I'm gonna teach you something good. Jairus' wife, I don't know her name, but ma'am, you're ahead of your household. I'm gonna teach you something good. Right? He's saying, he's saying, James, Peter, James, and John, come and check this out. I want to show you something because guess what? I'm gonna be gone one day and you're gonna need to do this. You're gonna need to fill that space with something godly. I'm gonna, maybe you've never heard this before, but guess what? We all need deliverance at some point in time. Every single one of us needs deliverance. That, yeah, when you think of that, you think of like the exorcist back in the day. Like, no, I got a deliverance, right? See, all of us have an enemy that's weaved a lie called a stronghold. And he's taken up occupation in our, in our soul. You know that? We all have certain thought patterns and and. That's why every single person at some point in time needs some kind of deliverance or rescue from those thoughts, those bad thoughts that the enemy has put in in our lives. Never be ashamed when you just need that kind of help. Our marriages all need marriage counseling, marriage ministry, a marriage retreat, a marriage book read together, a marriage DVD series watched together. Listen, if your car needs regular maintenance, how much more does your marriage That makes us different. When we do those, when we fill those spaces, that makes us different. So we just declare today, Lord, forgive me for the prideful resistance. Forgive me for the craving of attention, the fake devotion, the shameful mocking, and the prideful 
resistance. Said that. Loud commotion. Make it leave in Jesus' name. And now replace them with peace and quiet, selflessness, real devotion, authentic celebration, and honesty and humility. You make it leave, but go replace it with the opposite. Replace it, right? Replace, replace pride with, 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 uh, with humility, right? Just, just go, just, just humble yourself, right? Just get rid of it. Turn the, turn the news off, <laughs> seriously. Just shut the TV off and just go sit in a chair and, and just lift up your hands and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you're the God of this throne and the government's on your shoulders, Jesus, not mine. And I get myself out of this realm, this earthly realm, and put my focus on the, the, the things of heaven, not of this earth. God, that's what I do. Fill that space. Fill your heart with these things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God, for this day. I know, God, that, that these, these messages are they're, they're, they're doing things in our hearts to, to help free us so that you can open up heaven. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that whatever anyone heard today, God, that they would take it truth in their heart, and they would find freedom, 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 God, freedom in their lives, freedom, God, like never before. God, would you open up heaven? Would you, would you give us, uh, help us to experience the goodness of God in our lives, the things that we miss many times? Would you, would you open up our eyes and hearts to the, to the awareness of the glory of God in our lives, God? So I say, open up heaven, God. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you for trying to destroy God's people, trying to kill God's people, trying to steal from God's people. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, for all that you do. And if you're here in this place and you're watching online, you've never given Jesus rightful authority in your life. He's the ultimate authority I would love to lead you to do a really quick prayer. And it goes like this, just very simple. A child could, could, could pray this, but just God wants a childlike heart. And just repeat this here in this place and online. Say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I want to live with you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E.org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.